when all that I am, when all that I am responds to who you are. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. The highest praise. Hallelujah. For the last 24 hours, that's the question I've asked myself is when are we going to get back to Jesus being enough? When are we going to get back? Me, not just church, me, my family, the church. When are we going to get back to when Jesus is enough? When all that I am responds to who he is. Yeah, yeah. Now's the time. Now's the time. He's enough. He's enough. If he's not enough, then he, then he didn't have to come and die. If it's not enough, it could answer the question that John the Baptist asked differently. He said, is, is, is it him or should we look for another? He said, go tell John that the blind see. And the deaf hear and the lame walk. <laughs> Go tell him, it's me and I'm enough. <laughs> He's enough. Church, he is enough. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter 4. How many of you have figured out in the last few days, if you didn't know earlier, that everything that can be shaken is being shaken? The headlines are screaming. But more than the headlines are screaming, my spirit is screaming. Anybody else? Does everybody else ever wake up to the realization that, it, that we're in a different place than we've ever been before? The cup of trembling. <laughs> Israel is at the center of the news again. That stumbling block of a little country. And people. While the enemies of God are coming against them, Afghanistan is shaking in a major earthquake that hardly even makes the headlines at the very same time. The enemies of God. Is there any doubt in your mind that that's so? No. 
Finally, then, brethren, we urge you. Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, for you know what commandments we give you through Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. I might say that your sanctification is the will of God. For this is the will of God. It is your sanctification. What, what does it say? For this is, I'm about to tell you the will of God. For your sanctification so that you can be set apart and declared holy in Him. See, I'm justified in Him. Declared innocent. I'm not innocent. You're not innocent. It's in Him that I'm declared innocent. But He declares me sanctified. I'm not holy. Are you? Not on my own. There's none righteous. No, not one. But he requires a holy people, a set-apart people, a consecrated people, a sanctified people. For this is the will of God for you, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his, his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. Your own vessel, that's you. That's your body. That's what happens within you and to you, from you, that each of you should know. He's talking to the believer, to the church, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Verse 5, not in passion of lust. Now, hey, everybody, when you say lust in the church today, everybody thinks you're talking about sex. And it includes that, but lust is your strong desires. The things that drive you that are not of God. That compel you. I'll remind you before I even read on that the Spirit of God leads you. That the enemy drives you. Those that are led by the Spirit of God. These are the children of God. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we are also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness. But, to hol but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this, rejects what? What? Rejects what? Those who reject this, the idea of holiness, that you're called to holiness, that you're called to be changed and conformed into his image, that you're called to be a holy people in him. Those who reject, see the church today rejects that notion. Call it legalism. 
Obeying the Word of God and living a life that is sanctified unto Him is not legalism. <laughs> That's freedom. Now, there's things we've called holiness in the past that has nothing to do with holiness. That we've hung our hat on some things that God never said. I'm, I'm holy because He's holy. And I'm in Him. And when I'm in Him, I'm being conformed into Him, into His image. And when that happens, I begin to change. You know what? I drink all I want to. I want somebody to hear me today. I booze and dope and, 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 and philander and sleep around all I want to. All I want to. So if you're worried about coming to Jesus that you can't do the things you want to, you are wrong. I do all of that I want to. But I got news for you. When I was born again, he changed my want-tos. He changed me from the inside out. It wasn't, it's not the things outside the body that defile me. He changed my want-tos. He set me free from that bondage. Hallelujah. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. If you, let me tell you something. If you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, the Holy Spirit will make you holy. Because he's holy in his essence and in his nature. It's who he is. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedon, all Macedonia. Now hear this. It ought to be the favorite verse in the Bible. I'm going to put it on. Somebody's already put it on a t-shirt. I need to put it on some mag t-shirts. But we urge you, brethren, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. I want it on a t-shirt. But I urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Here's 11. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life. To mind your own business. And work with your own hands. As we commanded you. That you walk properly towards those who are outside. That you may lack nothing. And Paul is saying all this, building up to something that, I, that we're going to right now. Are you ready? He says, for I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, concerning those who are dead and gone, lest you sorrow at others who have no hope. Let me say something right now. Grief and sorrow it's a gift from God that he gave us to be able to heal. You should know that. Believers grieve and believers have sorrow when they lose someone. This is one of those things that won't make you popular. But if you're a believer, born again, washed in the blood, full of the Spirit of God, you shouldn't be mourning years later and grieving over someone who's gone on to glory. 
Because we don't grieve. We grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. It's free. I'll tell you again. We grieve. It's hard. It's emotional. He gave us all that stuff. It's from Him. And it's a loss. But we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Hear me. Somebody needed to hear that in this room, maybe down, maybe on live, maybe later. Somebody needed to hear it. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so we'll bring with him those who have slept, who sleep in Jesus. <laughs> For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Let me hear, let me tell you something, you deconstructing hypocrite. You atheist windbags. You theological duds taught by Dr. Dumbbell himself. Because they say, rapture is not in the Bible. That word is not in the Bible. That English translation word rapture means something. Does anybody know? Does anybody know? It means caught up. For we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Meet the Lord where? Now I'm just saying, that I'm reading this, this is just text, I, I'm reading this, but I want you to understand text. Where are we going to meet the Lord? In the air. And thus shall we always be, be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Where are we going to meet him? In the air. Where is he coming to? Not he, he's coming at an appearing. And we will meet him in the air. When he comes, second coming, we're not going to meet him in the air. The armies of heaven will come with him. They're already with him. They're already with him. They're already with him. 
And when he comes, he's not going to come in the air. It's not an appearing. It is a second coming where he is going. We're, we're going to, we are going to meet him in the air if we, if we don't go by the grave. But when he comes back, he, he's not going to be in the air. He is going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives. He's about to talk, Paul's about to talk about something completely different at the beginning of chapter 5. By the way, Paul didn't write chapters and verses in. He put them in there for us to find it. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, I ask you, is there something in you that says it's different now? Day by day. Is there something in you? But brethren, concerning the times and season, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, hear me, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes on them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, as that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not, we are not of the night nor of the darkness, therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who are asleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Heavenly Father, help me today. Give us your words by your spirit. Let us be pricked in our heart, laid bare, if you will. Open our ears and our eyes of our understanding that you would hear what the Spirit of God would say to the church today. And we'll be thankful for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul lays out in a few short verses the will of God for his people at the time and the reason why is because the days are short and the time is measured when Paul wrote this when Paul wrote this he used he used interesting pronouns when he says that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up Paul fully expected to be caught up he had the we included him. And I can tell you, 
Before we even proceed this morning, the scoffer will say they've been preaching it for 2,000 years. You might say I've heard it all of my life, but I can tell you right now that your salvation is nearer today than when we first began. Your salvation is nearer today than when we started. (laughs) Of the times and seasons, you have no need that I write. Paul talked about, he said, he's commending the the church at Thessalonica for for their life. They received the word of God and they're living it. And he 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 said, for this is the will of God for your sanctification. And he goes into telling them that you can't live. Like, like by your animal in- instinct, sleeping with everything that passes by, like the world is. You can't be drawn around by your lust, by, by the things that captivate you. James said that when we sin, we're drawn away by what? Our own lust. Devil made me do it. Rip, what's his name, used to say. Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. No. 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 There was a thing in you called a sin nature that drives you. But when you got saved, when you were justified, when you live in him and you're sanctified, you have a new nature in you. See, old things pass away. All things become new. We're something else. And I come to ask you something in the light of where we are today. And make no mistake, what you see going on in the headlines yesterday where, where, where evil is, of hell is vomiting itself out on the earth. And when people are deceived into believing that the innocents deserved it. Need to tell you a few things just so people have some context. You need to understand something. Well, let me say this first. It's time that, that we got back to, we, we have far too long been standing in our pulpits talking about God. Far too long. We stood in our pulpits talking about God. Three principles of this. And seven fundamentals of that, platitudes and, and, and things that may even be, have, be factual, but just talking about God. Hear me, hear me, church. God's plan for his church is to open the book, the words of life, and for the preacher to stand in the pulpit and declare, thus saith the Lord. God is tired. I'm telling you, it's time that we stop talking about God and the pulpits began to speak for God one more time. Speak. Yes, we're called to speak for him. I told you last week when Paul wrote to Titus, the pastor, he, Paul, the apostle, told the pastor, he said, Titus, tell them this. For it's the word of God. Speak for God. Right is right and wrong is wrong. There's a, there, there is a path to walk in. This is the way. Walk you in it. All through Israel's history, the problem became that every man that was done what was right in their own eyes. Church, hear me. He's laying out the plan in light of what is coming. 
I'm going to ask us again. It's my question today. It's my heart today. It's burning in me today. When are we going to get back to the church where Jesus is enough? What other, if he never, if he never quote unquote prospers you again. If everything you hold dear to you today is gone tomorrow, will he still be enough? Or will you melt because God has forsaken you? Because I got news for you. Contrary to, to every lying, false apostle that has stood in the pulpits of the world for the last 50 years and told you that God's desire for you is to give you big bank accounts and cars and big houses. They're liars and they're thieves. Hear me. I make no apology. They're liars and they're thieves because that's not what the Word of God says. When I read, the, I've been reading the Pauline epistles as fast as I could read them this week. Then I went over to see what P- P- Peter had to say and what Jude had to say and what James had to say, what Jesus had to say. And they all, all of them, the mark of, the mark of, of, of God on their life was not wealth. It was not health. It was not, it was that I, God gave me a front parking spot at Walmart. Makes me want to throw the podium over. It's all time somebody went and flipped some tables somewhere. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. God gave me a park at, front park at Walmart. Yeah, on your 12th time around. Can somebody shut up, stand up, please, and say, shut up? Amen. Oh, Pastor, I don't like you. Say, I, you know what? I've been listening to Carter Conlon. I've been uh, listening to Tim Delina. I've been listening to Lauren Livingston. And they've all got something in them that I've had in me for several months. And, it, and they all started saying this. And, uh, uh, you know, but the, the Spirit of God works across the country. Do you know that? And you know what? They've all begun to say, this is what the Word says. I don't care if you don't like it. That's not an attitude of I don't care about you. That is, if you don't like it, it doesn't change anything. If you don't like it, it, God didn't change his mind. If you don't like it and you get offended, it's not going to change God or me or what I preach. We've got to have pulpits across the world that will stand up again and say, I don't care if you're offended. This is what the Word says. When is Jesus going to be enough again? With your hurt feelings. And your entitled spirituality. I got friends that they're watching today that I'm fixing to burn their house down. And I'm not after them. I just know where they're at. That it can't even function in life right now because some pervert still has a pulpit. And they're sick and can't preach right now. And And they're consumed with it. Let me tell you something about when, when, when this kind of stuff happens. First of all, God never promised you that you, would have, that you would live a healthy life. He never promised you that people wouldn't come against you. He never promised you that you wouldn't struggle. He never promised you that, that, that you would not be infirmed. I tell you what he promised you, church. 
He promised you that if you that if you will preach my word and live this life, he said for one thing, he promised that all who who, who desire to live a godly life, somebody say all. all. All who desire to live a godly life will suffer. Put that in mama's promise box on the middle of the kitchen table. Because you know what? It's a promise. A servant is not greater than his master. Jesus, Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome it. Hear me if you're in that situation. Hear me. Hear me. Why do the wicked prosper? He says, listen to me. They have their reward. You're not understanding what God said. They've got it the best they're ever going to have it. If they're a billionaire on this side, if they never go to jail for their crimes, if they have a false following of thousands or millions, and they live to be 150 years old, when they die, it's over. They've got the best they're ever going to have because a burning hell of outer darkness awaits for those people. But I tell you what we have. If we, when we stand for what's right, if they try to stone us, if they try to arrest us, if we get sick and we die, if we get hurt, I, I got news for you. It rains on the just and the unjust. You better know that. We live in this world. But I'll tell you what Paul said. I read it to you just last week. When he's about to lose his head. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I have ran my race. And listen, they see all of them, they've had theirs. It's then. He says, and now, and now, you don't hear me. And now, I'm about to die. I'm leaving. It's over. And now, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now, I'm going, I'm going into the forever now. I'm going into eternity with a crown of righteousness and a reward from God. Hear me, the righteous judge. You say, Pastor, that's all easy to say because you've got a great life. And hear me, I have a great life. I'm living the dream, literally. I have kids that are doing okay. I got beautiful grandbabies. Did you happen to see two of the three this morning? If you don't, come see me. I'll show them. You want pictures? I got that too. I'm walking in the calling that God has put me in. I pastor the greatest church on the face of the earth, and God is using us. And I'm thankful. But hear me, lest you think it's easy to say all that, that if you're if, it, if, you, if you get cancer and die young or you lose your spouse or something happens to your kids or you lose everything you got while the wicked prosper, 
I can tell you something. I've told you before, I fell on my face before God and everybody in my hometown that everybody knows me with my cars and everything on the bank parking lot for everybody to look at. I know what that feels like. It wasn't easy. But you know what? I also know what it's like to be on the phone with your spouse and you hear the crash and you hear the commotion and you hear the, the, the things going on and you don't know and they don't answer you. The phone line's open. You don't know if they're alive or dead. You don't know whether, to, whether you've heard their voice the last time or to wait to hear their voice the last time to, or, or to hang up and call for help. And you're in the valley of decision. Hang up and call for help. I know about where they are. Or hang on in case I never hear them again. I'm not talking from ignorance. I also know what it's like to hear that, to hear that spouse when, that, when the line was still open. They're laying in the back seat of a van that's been hit at 60 miles an hour while they were parked. They're, ne- they're paralyzed instantly. Their neck is broke. Every window in the car is busted out. Every seat is torn out. They ripped out of their seat and they're in the back of it. And, I, and they don't even know where they're at if they're hanging off the bridge, if they're in the river, or if they're on the river. And I hear... Break the silence before I hang up. I hear, Father, in the most peaceful voice you've ever heard in your life, Father, if I've ever needed you in my life, I need you right now. And began to speak in a language only known to heaven. I know what it's like to walk through crippling, debilitating injury that leave somebody paralyzed from the chest down for years. I know what it's like to be the one that scratches their nose in the night and gives them drinks of water all day, who, who learns how to do hair and makeup so they can be presentable, who showers them and frankly wipes their backside. Faithfully. Until God took them home. You know what else I know about? I know about eight years of the grace of God where there was never a single day of depression that touched our household because of that injury. I know what it's like by the grace of God that only He can do that there was not a day of unforgiveness and bitterness to the people that caused the problem. That's a miracle of God. That's a miracle of God. Job said, though He slay me, yet will I serve Him I'll remind you that when the enemy come to God, he said, where you been? He said, I've been looking everywhere. And he said, have you considered Job? And he says, of course I've considered Job. I can't get to him. He said, well, here he is. He said, he is a man who loves God and hates evil. He is perfect and upright in all of his ways. I'll lift the hedge, but you can't touch, you can't touch him. You can't. Okay, that happened. And Job didn't cuss God. And Satan said, well, you, 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 he, he said, you, you've given him so much. Here, are you hearing me, church? You, God, you, he, the enemy said to God, you've given him so much that, I can, that uh, if you'll let me at him, well, I'll strip this stuff. He'll curse you to your face. The first time Satan come to God, God said, okay, you can, you can, you can have out his stuff. He lost his family, saved his wife. He lost his, his riches, his crops, his herds. He lost everything. And he didn't cuss God. Lucifer came back. Satan came back and said, where you been, Satan? 
He said, I've been on looking out the whole earth again. He said, what are you looking? He said, have you considered Job? He said, yeah, but you, but you still protected him. He says, I'll tell you what, you can touch him to any degree you want to, but you can't kill him. Let me, hear, let me hear you. Let me tell you something. There are things that we don't understand, but there are some things I do understand. That God still holds all power in his hand. Let me tell you something and hear me. There's things you don't understand. There's things I don't understand. But I can tell you God holds all power in his hand. Because the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And if he could have killed Job, he'd have killed him. You can touch him, but you can't kill him. And he went through... Job had lots of questions. And he had lots of people to help him with those questions. He had a wife that wasn't exactly a breath of fresh air in the situation. Curse God and die. That's why she, she wanted him to do it. She encouraged him to do it. She wouldn't say, let's go to the prayer meeting, baby. It's going to be all right. Let's go to church. It's going to be all right. They're going to sing your favorite song this morning. It's going to be okay. Let's go to the lake. It'll help. Let she said, curse God and die. Just get it over with. Your friends are coming to you. Well, what did you say? Well, I knew, I knew he wasn't all that. There ain't no telling. He's probably got a woman on the other, on, over there on the other side of town. He's got all that money. Uh, that, you know, look at everything that's happened to him. I, I, knew he, I knew he wasn't as righteous as what he portrayed. Something's going on or God wouldn't be allowing this to happen. That is a lie. Hear me. That is a lie. Hear me. That is a lie. Job had done nothing wrong. And you know what? God never explained himself to Job or to us. Do you know that? God never explained himself. Oh, I might even mention that Job was the first book written of the canon of Scripture. Before Genesis was put on paper, Job was written down. And I think there's something to be, I trust God, though he slay me. You know what Job did have to say? God said, I'm the one that put the stars in the space. I'm the one that measured the oceans and divided the land. I'm the one that told that water it could only go to here and it had to stop. I got news for you, a bunch of planet activist fools that are washing the creation, the worshiping the creature rather than the, the creation rather than the creature, the God. Plymouth Rock was at the edge of the water 600 years ago in Massachusetts. And <laughs> I'm just helping somebody. With all the polar ice caps melting and all the global warming and the global cooling, remember when the, remember, do y'all remember when the ozone layer was the thing? And all that stuff, let me help you. That rock is still in the same place at the same edge of the water line as it was 600 years ago, just so you know. Can I just say while I'm passing that, that is a cult. That is a religion. It is demonic. It is from hell. It is meant to subvert God and his will and his plan and who he is. Let me tell you, he's who told the oceans they could go this far. He's who tells the sun what angle to even be tilted at where it doesn't burn us up. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Why? It's compassions fail not. They're new every morning. You know why? Great is thy faithfulness. 
I'll tell you another promise just while I'm on it. He told all the way back in Genesis that as as long as this thing remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. God, hear me, he is firmly in control. Firmly. I know what it's like to live through heartache and hardship that would crush anybody. I know what it's like. And you know why? He was faithful. You know what? He never told us that we wouldn't have hard times, bad times, hard seasons, deadly seasons, but he did tell us it would be worth it if we're faithful. We've got to scrub our minds of the lies that have been proclaimed that we bought them because we were bored with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what should have happened in this land? You may not be prepared for the next few minutes. The men of God, some some great men, and some of them did, and some of them still are, but the leaders all across this world should have been standing up and rebuking their lies by name and exposing them to the world and crushing their message. Why? Because light always overcomes darkness. You're not hearing the preacher this morning. We have got to, we have got to come to the place where we understand that we, we love what God loves and we hate what God hates. Go read the Psalms. He, he, he hates every false way. I feel like a broken record sometimes, Jeff. But I'll remind you that when Peter was compromising with the Jews, he was free, when, 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 when he, was, he was free from the law among the Gentiles, but he was afraid of the religious persecution of the Jews. Can we tell it how it was? In the book of Galatians, It was a destructive doctrine. It was a destructive compromise. It was something that could not be tolerated. And Paul didn't say, well, you know, I really wish he wouldn't say that. You know, he preached that message on the day of Pentecost. And, you know, and and he's done some good things. But this, I, I don't agree with him on that. I wish he wouldn't say that. But, you know, it is Peter. I'll just keep preaching truth and, the pre- and me preaching truth will overcome the lie. He said, I, Paul, withstood Peter to his face in front of the congregation. Why? He said, because he was to be blamed. That's why. All of this has brought us to a place. I hope you're following me. It's brought us to a place where in America and across the world, you know, right now, the, the, America is who everybody follows. Do you know that? They're who everybody follows. They think because we got it all, if they follow us, they'll have it all. I've been all over the world. I know what I'm talking about. 
That's why it has to be stopped. It has to be stopped. We have to get back to a place where Jesus is enough. Sister Tennyson likes to say, if Jesus was the only thing on the menu, would you still be hungry? Would you still be hungry? We think we've got to be stimulated all the time. Engaged all the time. Doing something all the time. Going somewhere all the time. Involved in something all the time. I would desire of you that you would live simple lives. And mind your own business. What does that mean in the Greek? Mind your own business. <laughs> Do the work of your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. How do you lack nothing? By living a life where Jesus is enough and demonstrating to the world, I don't have to play your games. Do your things. Be... I'm going to put a fine point on something. I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to, then I'm going to, then I'm going to use a, a .003 pen. I'm going to put a fine point on it. We still believe, most of us agree, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the Savior. But do you believe that he is everything you need? In him. In him is everything you need. No, really, I'm asking you. And, and, the, and the world of the, thera, of the therapy gospel, I'm asking you again, is he everything you need? There's a counselor there's a counselor that will say, there saith the Lord. That's different than a coping mechanism. Oh, the amens fell 80%. That's different than a coping mechanism. That's everything. Do you still believe that he's everything you need? Because I want to tell you something. There, there's a fastball coming. We are to the place that we are so involved and so stimulated and so and from the time they're babies. That when we have a day off and a quiet hour or two or three or a week when we can just sit and relax and have nowhere to go, nothing to do. I mean, that used to be the punishment. Remember, you ain't going nowhere for two weeks and you're going to bed early. Oh, mom. Now it's like, praise God. <laughs> Hear me. 
I'm talking to you. I'm talking to your children. I'm, I'm, I'm prompting you to think. That we live in an age, let me tell you something, we live in an age like no other. It's mine sitting over there, but that little tool, and it, it can be a tool. I, I, I don't know how I would get things done sometimes without my smartphone. But you know what else it can be? I'm talking about the digital world. I'm talking about the digital age. If you don't think it changed this world, you're crazy. And if you ain't listening to me, hear me. Whether it's sitting at home and or the TV on all the time or to everything there is to go to, when it all stops for whatever reason, maybe, maybe you can't afford it and you had to take the week off. Maybe you were just to the, to the financial breaking point. You can no longer do it. Maybe it's just plans got canceled. Maybe it's that the season's over. I want to paint a picture. How many of you have ever been? I've had, I remember and still do. There's times when I, I know that something's coming. Maybe, maybe for a year it's been on my calendar. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the first time I knew I was going to go to Africa. And the whole year has been about preparing to go to Africa and anticipating going to Africa. That's pretty exciting stuff. Now, I never wanted to go to Africa until the Lord decided I needed to go to Africa. Then I went from, I ain't going nowhere if they don't have a McDonald's, to I'll go there and I can't wait to get there. But that's not the, and you do all that and you get there, you do it. It was everything you ever wanted and more. And then you get home and it's over. Maybe it's the vacation. Maybe. And what do you feel like? You're on bottom. You're spent. Used up. It's like somebody pulled the plug out of the bathtub. What do I have to look forward to? What now? I submit than in our world today and what we're seeing is a whole world and whole generations, all of us, that are so into everything, constantly stimulated, constantly engaged, constantly doing something, constantly, well, stimulated. The, 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 the endorphins are always flowing. The dopamine is always in a flood. That when you just go to a normal life. You think you're depressed. You think it's depression. You know what it is? Normal. Normal. A holy hush fell across the place. <laughs> She's sitting right there, so I can go ahead. You know what? You know what? I heard half my life. Mom, I'm bored. Well, I'll find you something to do. I'm good. Mom, I'm bored. I don't have nothing to do. 
<laughs> Do the dishes. <laughs> Mom, I want to, no. I want to go over there. No. Why not? Because I said, we're your family. I heard that how many times. You were your family. Mm. Man, if God would just give me a better family. You know, everybody else's mom's cooler than yours. Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice that? Well, all the time, your friends all thought your mom was the cool one. Yeah. I'm preaching today. You know what I'm You know what? Listen. Heads up. Heads up. Heads up. Heads up. Boredom has never killed anyone. Never made them sick. I've heard people that were worked to death. I've heard people that had to be hospitalized to rest. I've never heard of a single person that had to be hospitalized from time off. (laughs) Well, they're in ICU over at St. Elizabeth. Why are they in there for... Well, they had too much time off. <laughs> they're too rested. They, they're, they're so used to being stressed out when their nerves coming back inside their body, they just couldn't handle it. <laughs> Teenagers are hating me right now. And they don't know that I'm saving their life. They don't know that I'm saving their life. They don't know that I'm throwing the lifeline, that I'm throwing the life preserver. They don't know. Because when mom and daddy quit financing it, you might not be able to afford it either. And they're going to, mom and dad, hear me. You say, oh, that preacher, you're always talking to mom and dads and kids. You better know it. They're my mission. Families are my passion. You better hear me. When they can't do it anymore and they think being able to do it all means that they're successful and not being able to do it all means they're a failure. And the low comes when it's not depression. Then the enemy comes in and, that, and, and injects itself with his lies instead of God's truth and says, yeah, you ain't nothing. Somebody please hear me. Because you won't be doing it forever. And if you are, you're the problem. You know, even an old cow, when a a calf's been on the tip too long, will kick them in the head. The amen quarter said to Billy Go to do the same thing. <laughs> For all y'all dignified people, I'm sorry. But I'm not because you understood it real clear. You understood it real clear. And then when all that happens, hear me, devil didn't do it. Devil didn't do it. You did Because Jesus wasn't enough. 
Because it never entered into anybody's mind and all they're doing for him to be first. When his word, do you still believe his word? Because his word says he'll be a father to the fatherless. A husband to the widow. A companion to the lonely. That he'll be a brother to the brotherless. He said there is a friend. The psalmist said there is a friend. Not was or there's going to be. There is a friend which sticks closer than a brother. But you got to know him. But you got to know him. He's got to be enough. He's got to be enough. And why did Paul tell him this? Then he went on to say, you're all going to die. That's breaking news to some people. I, I said it a few weeks ago, but I've learned it takes repetition. How'd you learn your math? How did you learn multiplication? How'd you do it? Repetition. You know what's going on right now? I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> so I needed the repetition. <laughs> Thank you. We're all going to die. <laughs> that was where I was going. We're all going to die. I got, people, I got people that were big faith Christians, big faith Christians, and somebody died, and they're mad at God. They're mad at God. We're all going to die. If the, Lord doesn't, if the Lord tarries until he comes, 100% of us are going to die. It's appointed. You know, that's in there. It's appointed unto man. Wants to die. And then the judgment. So I'm not upset. I grieve when people die. It hurts when people die. But I'm not upset at God when people die. Because you know what? Sin brought death into this world. And it, but he redeemed me back. And to, to live is Christ. See I believe the book. To I, live, I believe the book. I believe the book. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Right. Yes. Yeah. To be absent. To be absent. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Yeah. I'm not bitter that Lisa Armstrong died. Because to live is Christ, to die is gain. And in the meantime, when you're faithful, might as well add it, when you're faithful, he adds to you. Amen. A gift of faithfulness. That's the truth. That's a gift of faithfulness. 
In case you're just wondering, this is just free. I've tell people, I've dated two people. I'm 52 years old. I've dated two people in my life. That's a fact. And I've married both of them. Why are you saying that? Because there's some of y'all dummies. Y'all get mad. Hey, don't get mad at me. You know they're dummies. There's some of y'all dummies that think it's a random crapshoot. It's a pull of the slot machine. And you got to pull it over and 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 over. And you think you hit the jackpot and all you got was a couple quarters and you're broke. There's people that spend $100 and win three and win three and think they hit the jackpot. You say, you're meddling now. Well, my meddling's pretty good too. You know what? It doesn't have to be that way. I'm asking, I'm going to ask you again. Do you know that Jesus is enough? I'm going to ask you again. Do you know that Jesus is enough? Do you know that if you will, if you will seek him, do you know that if he'll be enough? The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord and he will walk you right to the place that you need to be with the person you need to be you know he, you know he can do that oh you just lucked out no lucky didn't have nothing to do with it luck didn't have anything to do with it move on JR don't say it I'm not going to you know why he's telling you all this stuff for? I'm un- Y'all know it was unhinged, but apparently I'm unscrewed. <laughs> it makes that noise when you are. Usually right back there somewhere. Anyway. Paul was telling him, you know why? He said, you're all going to die. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who are asleep. Because he just told you we don't grieve to those who have no hope. I don't want you, I don't want to be, I don't want you to be ignorant about the people that's died. They're, gonna, they're, not, they're not only going to be there, they're going to beat you. They're not only going to be there, they're going to beat you. How else are they going to meet you in the morning just outside the Eastern Gate? They're going to beat you. And we're going to be called up together, and then we're going to be together forever. With the Lord, in the air. And by the way, it's coming. He goes on to say, by the way, since we're talking about it, at the times and seasons you have no need that I write because you ought to know in your knower. He's coming. Now I'm going to tell you all over the, what am I telling you? He's enough. He's enough. We got to get back to, he's enough. You know what? I'm trying to, some of you, he's got a plan for your life. It's not, it's, not, it's not a gamble, man. He's got a plan for your life. He told Jeremiah, before you were formed together, in your, there he said, I had a plan for you. you. He said, you were called and appointed to be a prophet to the nations before you were born. He has a plan for you. And you know what? He's coming back. Amen. We are living in the time described in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in Matthew 24. In the book of Daniel, in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Revelation. What? Oh, by the way, what chapter of Revelation are we in? That meme keeps going around. We're still in chapter 4 because we're still here. That just helps somebody with your theology. 
We're not in chapter 12 or 16. The trumpets and the bowls are not blasting and pouring. We're still in chapter 4. But you know what? The creation is groaning for relief. And I'm going to close with this. Brandon, you can come back. Say, how do you know? There's one thing that Jesus said that you need to hear me. Say, oh, preachers have been saying that. Let me hear you and hear me. Jesus told us this. He said, watch the fig tree. So, watch the fig tree. He said, when it begins to put on branches and leaves, when it begins to sprout, then you can know that my time is near. Go look at the context of that verse. The fig tree is Israel. I got to tell you, the, the United States, America, is not the timeline of God. They are. He said, watch the fig tree. When it begins to spring forth, shoots. It blunt. He said, it's coming. They come out of nowhere. They come out of nowhere in 1948 after 2,000 years, 2,000 years plus of being scattered with no common language, with no common land, with no anything. Right. And one day they wasn't, the next day they were. That cup of trembling that the whole world's always been against and they will be until it happens, until he comes. Are you hearing me? Y'all think they're fighting over land. If the Jews today gave the, the Muslim world, the Arab world, every, every jot and every tittle that they asked for, they would still try to kill them all and drive them into the sea. It's not about land. It's not about peace. It's about Jesus. They hated him then and they hate him now. Stand with me all over this place. He's coming. He's coming. That shouldn't scare you. That should put a shout in your that should put a shout in your voice and a spring in your step. He's coming. And let me tell you about when he comes. Jesus will be enough. Let the nations rage. Let them do their best. Let them fire their, their, their missiles. Let them rage. Let them come against everything of God. He's enough. He's enough to keep his own until he gets here. 
He's enough to preserve his land and his people. They'll never eradicate them. He's, they may try to drive them into the sea, but the God who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Hear me. There's no side but God's side. I've read some moronic things in the last few days coming from so-called Christians. And so-called is right. Some moronic things. Let me tell you something. He's enough. And every word will be carried out. Every period of his plan will be brought forth. And when they, when they think they've got them surrounded and they think they're going to cripple them and they think they've broken the back of the church, it says that, he, that he's not even going to drop a nuclear bomb on them. You know why? Because he doesn't need it. He's enough. Oh, I don't think you're hearing me. I'm trying to make you understand he's enough. It says he's going to defeat those armies and those nations when he comes it says, with, the, with the sword which proceeds out of his mouth. And it says, which is the word of God. And it says, and with the brightness of his appearing, of his coming. You know what? He's not going to need any help. You know what's going to happen? Just all that's going to have to happen is for the lion of the tribe of Judah to show himself and to set himself and to say enough. I don't know what language it'll be in and I don't even know if it'll be the word but it'll be something along those lines enough and you know what's going to happen it will destroy the armies of the enemy hear me believer he's enough he's enough and he's worth living for Father we thank you for your word today Lord thank you for moving in our hearts Lord thank you for piercing the darkness with your word. Lord, prepare us. Prepare me. Prepare us to speak for you, to stand for you. Lord, that we would speak your word with boldness. Lord, across this place, challenge our hearts today. Lord, break through the complacency and the hardness of heart. Through the scoffer, make it reality. Through the one that is like John the Baptist, you're just in a bad place and want to know, is it you? To remind them that the blind see and the deaf hear and that the dead are raised. And Lord, let us shine like a light in the darkness. Let us be salty everywhere we go. Lord, bring us, strip us of everything that distracts us. We pray. And Lord, let us get our eyes on you. We pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen.